0: You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today's topic, ooh, chow. It's been a journey, but... um, we're going to get to it. So the inspiration for this particular podcast, it has been coming up <clears throat> quite a bit about um, <clears throat> Paul Cuffey and his lineage and how he participated in American history. And ironically, and maybe not ironically, uh, the rapper from the group Wu Tang Clan, ODB, also says that his ancestry is of uh, the cuffy last name. So I know it has ran across my mind several times. And in addition to that, um, ODB from the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, also said that his particular relative was a um, Indian chief who sold Manhattan. okay? So it really got my antennas going, trying to see if that lineage connected. All right? Now, ironically, I had been just searching on and off for it. Um, you know, not a big deal. So um I just kept running across interesting information on the Cuffeys altogether, that lineage. So just to put full disclaimer out there early, I have yet to find a direct lineage connection to ODB's people and uh the Paul Cuffey lineage. Okay, so I cannot confirm that those lineages are tied together or not confirm that they're tied together. Um, you know, I'm not going to put in the time to go to, through each cuffy uh, name to tie the two together because that's literally what you would have to do. Okay, so I'm giving you just full disclosure uh, what I have found so far. I don't see a connection, but please note, I did not go through each cuffy ancestor to tie the two together. So it is possible that they're connected, um, and it's also possible that they are not. So, just to give full disclosure to that, okay? But what I want to share in this particular lineage, I want to go over this cuffy. Uh, lineage as it relates to Paul Cuffy. okay? So, let's get into this with a little technology. All right, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Child, y'all would think, in my defense, I have so much stuff on here. That's why I'm always searching, <laughs> Okay, so all right. So what made me what really sparked my uh interest in the Cuffy name from the beginning, of course, was Paul Cuffy himself. Very, very interesting lineage. We're going to get into his specific lineage. And then just remembering ODB talk about his people being cuffies. Okay, specifically he said, uh, he mentioned an ancestor Warren Cuffey Okay, so we do know that ODB and them people are out in New York. Okay, so it made me think about the Cuffies and Paul. So just if you do a general a general search on the Cuffeys, um, you're gonna see uh, a bunch of Cuffeys and you're going to see them mostly out of New York right so you can see the names here all right and there's paul himself um out of uh new york but we'll get into specifically uh paul's lineage and then you're going to see free and all of that jazz the only one on this list that you don't see associated with nor new- uh new york is samuel and as you can see that name is a little different, but I still think it's them. And we'll get into that. Why, um, you know, those that do this particular type of work, and if you search for your own ancestry, you know that there are variations of the surnames, okay? And so it takes you to do additional research to tie, let's say, for example, um, This cuffy free cuffy with Paul cuffy, or tie it with Thomas coffee. Okay, now we call this coffee, but I don't know if back in the day if that's the name of it and uh cuff. Okay, all right, so I'm just giving you a tip when you're searching for genealogy, your particular genealogy, if you are new to this and you run across last surnames that you think it's connected to your people, but the spelling of the surname is a little bit different, don't overlook that record. Go into that record and uh, take another deep dive in that record and see if any of your people show up on that record. And you'll see, you'll be able to cross-reference where you'll see on the census on one particular year, it was a misspelling, but you can look at the name and show your people's name show up uh, with the correct spelling, and all of the siblings and the parents match, or the spouse, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So, just to give you a, a little bit of insight for those that are doing genealogy especially if it's your first time because you can certainly miss a lot of things, okay? I've done it myself personally and gone back because it'll it'll get to bothering you, okay? Because when you're searching for your lineage, this particular information, I believe that your ancestors are working with you. They want you to know this information. Okay, to set the record straight. So when you're doing this type of work, if something is bothering you, and you know, even if you have to take a step back for a couple days, a couple weeks or whatever, but if that keeps bothering you, keep going back to it. And I promise you, you will get the link. I'm telling you for personal experience because I had that one person that kept being tied back to my family lineage and it was showing up in Europe, specifically England and child, it bothered me. It was the only out layer in my family lineage and I kept searching, searching, searching and then I would back off from it and I left it alone for I think about a month or two and it still just bothered me and I went back and I was able to connect it and find the piece. I'm like, oh, yep, that's a relative, ooh, wow, yeah, they're listed on here as black, mm, that's very interesting, okay, so just a little tip, okay, all right, so um, if you just do a basic search on Paul Cuffy, this is actually a nice picture of uh, him, I think it's a nice picture of him, okay, Uh, there's actually a lot of information on him, okay, but we are going to get into a little bit more details, okay? Um, as you can see, Wikipedia did a nice little breakdown of him. Uh, so let's get into, uh, where do I want to go? Let's go to the biography. Okay, so this is from, Child, y'all see this? This man is so prominent, child, this is his own little page with his biography, okay? The uh, Cuffy Heritage Trail, et cetera, et cetera. So those of you with the surname of Cuffy, you have a great start to track your lineage, okay? So uh, we're going to go to the high-level biography, a brief biography, and we're going to start breaking some of the things down that they say in the said biography, okay? And just note, of course, I am not the only one that's looked at uh, Cuffy's information. Um, I also know that uh, off the YouTube channel, Legendary Top Cats, has uh, featured Cuffy's information and the role he played several times in his information, uh, which that also hit me like, it's just something about that. And then also um, Kui Mayo, okay? Uh, So check out his YouTube channel as well. So shout out to those two brothers. They do excellent work, all right? Okay, So it's saying here, Paul Cuffy was born born on Cuddy Hunk Island at the west end of Elizabeth Island's chain in Massachusetts on January 17th, 1759. He was the seventh child and fourth son of Cuff Slocum. Okay, so I want y'all to catch this. Because they're saying Cuff Slocum, so they're leading you to believe that Cuffee got his name from Cuff, his surname is what I'm trying to say, from Cuff Slocum, an emancipated slave from West Africa, and Ruth Moses, a Native American from Cape Cod. The family lived on Cuddy Hunk for about 15 years, and I want y'all to remember this connection that they're saying, okay? He's saying that he was born from an emancipated slave of West Africa and a Native American mother named Ruth Moses, okay, a woman from Cape Cod, all right? So according to them, he had mixed heritage of an African and a Native American, right? I want y'all to remember that. The family lived on Hunk for about 15 years where they interacted with Wampanoag neighbors on the Elizabeth Islands and Martha's Vineyard and managed the properties and managed the properties of the Slocum families from Dartmouth where, uh, that were used mainly for grazing sheep in the warmer months. Their 10 children all lived well into their adult years, a remarkable record for that time. Paul's parents saved enough of their earnings to purchase Uh, an existing 116-acre farm in the mainland town of Dartmouth, to which the family moved in the spring of 1767 and lived there together until 1772 when Paul's father died. Cuff Slocum bequeathed this farm to his two younger sons, John and Paul, and it remained in their possession for the next half century. But in 1773, Paul initiated his uh, seafaring life as a 14-year-old crew member on a whaling voyage to the West Indies, leaving management of the farm to his older brother. Again, after crewing on whaling ships in 1775 and 1776 and being taken prisoner, by the British Navy on the latter voyage <clears throat> and held in jail in New York Harbor for three months, Paul took up the challenge of penetrating the British blockade to deliver needed supplies to the residents of Nantucket throughout the rest of the war years. He lost his small boat and supplies to pirates on at least one occasion, but succeeded on many crossings in the dark and moonless nights and in the process, built up relationships with leading families of Nantucket Quakers, such as William Roth Sr. and Jr., who became important friends and business partners throughout his life. Now, I want us to use critical thinking here, because remember, according to them, He is, let's just, I don't want to lie upon these people. He was the seventh child and fourth son of Cuff Slocum, an emancipated slave from West Africa. And Ruth Moses, a Native American. Okay, so that would mean his father was African. Mother is Native American so now they saying down here he had ran up on some Quakers and they became friends and business partners throughout life. Now, if you were would go by the official narrative, and the official narrative states that the Quakers were Caucasian slash white and everybody black was from Africa, why would they be all partnered up and hugged up in the 1700s, late 1700s, with Paul Cuffey, who's a black man? Now, if you want to call him a mulatto, because his mother was Native American, his father was West African. Now, that's according to their records. We're going to go into this a little deeper. So I I want you all to pay attention to that. Okay. So that should raise red flag number one. Okay. All right. In 1780, Paul, age 21, and his brother John, 23, joined four free African-American friends in petitioning the Massachusetts legislature to grant them the right to vote The petition was denied by the House of Representatives, but was subsequently incorporated into the state's new constitution that only required property owners to qualify men to vote. That same year, Paul and John were jailed for a few days for not paying town taxes on their property, but were rescued by a prominent local citizen Walter Spooner, who helped negotiate a reasonable settlement. Hmm. So there again, two black men, and even if you want to say at a minimum mulattoes, somebody rich came to their aid. Hmm. I'm just saying, okay, for him to be the descendants of an african slave. Hmm. But okay. Just going by what they say. <laughs> All right. So, on February uh the 25th, 1783, Paul Cuffy married Allison Piquet or Piquet. Widow of James Pequit and daughter of a prominent Wampanoag family on Martha's Vineyard. Now, these, this this Pequit name, and I could be pronouncing it wrong, I straight up apologize in advance, sounds kind of French to me, unless it's a derivative of an indigenous Indian name, okay? And that's very well possible. But I'm gonna move on. So they're saying that Paul Cuffy married into the Wampanoag. Okay? Just as his father, who they claim is a West African, an emancipated West African, married into a Native American family. Well, they said Native American. Here did they say here they named the tribe. They said Wampanoag. Okay, they had seven children, five daughters and two sons, all of whom were born in the Dartmouth slash Westport area and lived to maturity. That same year, Paul joined forces with his older brother-in-law, Michael Wayner, a Wampanoag who had married his older sister, Mary in 1772. Okay, so you can see where they're uh, marrying within the families. Um. Okay, I thought I had saw something else. Maybe I didn't see something. Okay, Paul and Paul and Michael established a shipping business across the south coast of Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. In 1789, Paul acquired a small water for, waterfront property on the west bank of East Branch of I don't know what that is, Aco X, Westport, I'm just going to say Westport, child, River, and he and Michael began building a series of increasingly larger sailing ships that they used to expand their ocean trading business along the East Coast and up into the Canadian Maritime Provinces, and also for fishing voyages to the Grand Banks and whaling voyages throughout the Atlantic Ocean. So before we go into any further, I don't know about y'all, but I want to know how he got that money. Because he's buying property. He has a, uh, a business, sh- uh, ships. Where's all this money coming from? But let's continue. As Michael and Mary Wayner's sons matured, they served as mates, captains, and masters of those ships. In the latter half of the 1790s, realizing the benefits of their successful trading business, both Paul Cuffey and Michael Wayner established permanent residencies for their families on the nearby property along the East Branch. Paul built a substantial house next to his shipyard and Michael Wayner acquired a 100-acre property quarter mile to the south that had been homestead of the Edie family and already contained a sizable house. Okay, so again, now remember, this is a slave, former slave, a former slave's son, and he's doing quite well. Now this is in the late 1700s, and he's kicking it up. He's able to maneuver quite well, buying property, starting up successful trading businesses. Was even doing trading uh, through Canada. So, I'm just saying. But let's keep going. Paul Cuffy became one of the wealthiest persons of color in the United States. And he used his wealth to support local activities such as a smallpox hospital, an integrated school, and many people in difficulty, no matter what their ethnic or racial backgrounds. His land holdings and ship buildings in Westport were extensive and he partnered with white community as well as with persons of color in Westport and elsewhere. You see it right there. Now, that's that's what they say. Now, again, this just me. With my spidey senses, how can the descendant of a slave, only one generation free, I guess you could call him the second generation if you want to include his father that was a slave, rack up so much wealth? And not only so much wealth, he had power. Okay. He had land holdings and shipbuilding in Westport were extensive. And he partnered with the white community as well as with persons of color. So, this man had a lot of power. Make no mistakes about it. He had a lot of power and he was a black man. Hmm. And this is in the 1700s. Hmm. But let's continue. As Paul Cuffey expanded his commercial dealings around the Atlantic Ocean, he became increasingly engaged. There go them Quakers again. Quaker businessmen and abolitionists leaders in Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, and London. Hmm. The British abolitionists in particular saw Paul Cuffey, a prominent black entrepreneur and humanitarian, as a potential ally in their efforts to create a successful colony for the freed slaves from both America and England who had already been transported to the African territory of Sierra Leone. Huh? What? What? So let's re-roll these presses. Hmm. As Paul Cuffy expanded his commercial dealings around the Atlantic Ocean, he became increase, increasingly engaged with Quaker businessmen and abolitionists, leaders in Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, and London, The British abolitionists in particular saw Paul Cuffee, a prominent black entrepreneur and humanitarian, as a potential ally in their efforts to create a successful colony for the freed slaves from both America and England, who had already been transported to the African territory of Sierra Leone. Mm. So you mean Paul Cuffee became an investor, and the colony that they wanted to start in Sierra Leone. Because that's what y'all really mean. When y'all talk about freeing, well, somewhere that a the freed slaves can go from both America and England. Hmm. Let's break down this term slave. We've gone over this before. You mean those laborers, okay? Because we know this slave category had everything to do with laborers. Either you fell in the category of coming over to these different lands on an indentured servant contract, or you were kicked out of Ireland, Scotland, or England, from war, so whether or not you came over to these different lands on an indentured servant contract or you were kicked out of your homeland as prisoners, so you were sent to these new colonies on a prison sentence to do labor, you mean those slaves? Because as we saw the history of the Atlantic slave trade, we saw where Portugal was the one, the biggest one that shipped and the first to do it, to ship labor from West Africa over to South America and specifically Brazil. They were the earliest And they had the biggest count. I think it was like 1.5 million, okay? But even within their records, we saw where whatever wars broke out didn't matter what part. So even in their own homeland, they would ship some of their people over to Africa to work. As laborers, or whether or not you want to call them slaves, that's your business. The point I'm trying to get you to see is you really have to understand what this term slave means. Okay? So what we saw with the transatlantic, what they're calling the transatlantic slave trade, it was not about shipping people exclusively from West Africa to the New Worlds, to the United States what it was about was a way to get laborers for these European empires to their colonies. So whether or not their colonies was in Africa, so meaning, yes, they took people from Europe, those prisoners of war, shipped them to Africa to work or People went over on indentured servant contracts to work, as well as people from Europe came over to the Americas as prisoners of war and on indentured servant contracts. That is how labor for colonies around the world was staffed, okay? So again, when you see the term slave, you have to think in terms of either they were indentured servants, meaning they volunteered for this labor contract for a certain amount of time, usually it's seven years, and they were getting paid. Or they were exiled After a war, they were exiled over to a new colony. They were sentenced from Europe and told they could never return. And they were going over to the New World. Okay. And that New World consisted of, uh, and this is in the case of, I'm speaking of uh, England at this point. That new world consisted of what we call the United States today, or what our Caribbean island brothers and sisters would call it, the mainland, and also the Caribbeans, okay? Okay, same with Portugal, but they concentrated their folks in uh, Brazil, all right. But they all did the same thing. All of those European nations did the same thing, including Spain, including France. All right. So I do not buy for one minute them sitting up here talking about some Paul Cuffey wanted to be a humanitarian for to they want to create this successful colony for the freed slaves from America or England. No, this was the same old game. Only difference is these folks would not be prisoners of war this time. They would be going over on their own accord as laborers under indentured servant contracts. Okay, so let's continue. This colony had been established in 1791 by England to provide a home for slaves who had sought freedom by taking refuge with British forces during the Revolutionary War. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. They had been transported, I'm sorry, they had been transplanted first to Nova Scotia when the British were defeated and subsequently to Sierra Leone in the hope of creating a viable permanent settlement there. So now are you, uh, perhaps what happened, what lines up more what happened is that with the French and British War, either you had Prisoners from the French side going back over to England that were prisoners of war that they were shipping out to Sierra Leone. Or it was Britain themselves shipping out their own people to Sierra Leone. Okay? But let's continue. This effort had experienced numerous problems, or I saw, I apologize, or it was simply that British's own, Brit- Britain's own people—they were trying to get them to go on indentured labor uh, contracts to Sierra Leone. So where I'm going with—I don't buy from one for one second. That these people that they were trying to ship over to Sierra Leone were African slaves coming out of Nova Scotia. I don't believe that for one second they were either French prisoners of war or it was Britain's own people that they put as prisoners for some type of violation as that war was going on or it was. Britain's own folks, that they were um, allowing to go on indentured serving contracts to go over to Sierra Leone. But African slaves, I don't buy that for one second. Okay. All right, so let's go on. This effort had experienced numerous problems. No kidding, Sherlock. Many settlers had died from tropical illnesses and there had been continuing conflict between the English commercial and military leaders and the ascertainably free citizens. Hmm. So now you want to talk about the free citizens, huh? Uh huh. Like I said, I don't buy for one bit that it was folks from Nova Scotia that were Africans not for one bit. These problems were compounded when another group of former slaves from Jamaica referred to as maroons was brought to Sierra Leone and injected into this unstable situation in the 1800s. Mhm. Mhm. So we already did a drop on what was going on in Jamaica, yeah, man, come on. Um, I will put both uh, marks in this particular podcast on the Atlantic slave trade and of Jamaica so you can get an idea of whom was whom because Maroons were known as mixed-race folks, okay? So meaning mixed with the indigenous Indians of Jamaica, okay? And some Black Europeans, and some say Africans as well, okay? But that's what Maroons is known as, known as a mixed race between the Indians and either the Black Europeans or the Africans. Now, I want y'all to peep game. They're telling you that they were doing reverse Migrations, so they're telling you that they were doing shipping folks from the U.S., they're telling you that they were shipping people from the U.S. over to Africa. Okay, all right, okay, and uh, I'll drop the link to the Jamaica. Uh, jive because it even goes into telling you who the first immigrants of Jamaica were, and it was uh all those Irish getting put out, okay, or or uh, they were uh prisoners of war, okay. So let's continue. This was further exacerbated. After abolition, abolition of slave trading by Britain in 1807, when any slave recaptured from illegal British slave trading slips, slips sorry y'all, ships were brought to Sierra Leone for settlement, resettlement. Child, sip this water. Now, if they ain't telling on they self. So this is, once again, telling you, if uh, slave trading, you got caught illegally slave trading. Those ships were brought, if it was uh, in 1807 and it was illegal, then they just brought people to Sierra Leone for resettlement. Okay, now let's remember when we talk about the the Atlantic slave trade, you cannot think of it just as a one-way, meaning that it was coming from Africa only to Europe and to the Americas. They are showing you where they were doing the reverse, people coming out of the Americas, to Africa. And in our other research, we show coming out of Europe over to Africa. Because remember, the British had a colony over in Africa, as did Portugal. So how are you just gonna say, all right, if I we catch y'all doing some illegal shenanigans with slavery. Bump all that, we sending people to Sierra Leone. Oh, well, how convenient, blood. That's very convenient, um, uh, seeming that you need to staff or have laborers for Sierra Leone. I think that's very convenient. Not that we just go up on this ship and find out who you got on board this ship and where they're really from and send them back to their place, their original place where they live. Bump all that. We just gonna send everybody to Sierra Leone. Oh, okay then. Let's continue. At the urging of Quakers and abolitionists in England and America, Paul Cuffee sailed to Sierra Leone in 1811 to to assess the situation among the various freed slave communities the British government officials and private traders and the local African people and see whether he could help improve their conditions. Oh, that's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. Oh, okay. Then you sure he wasn't going over there because he was an investor trying to see how he could set this business up via aka colony to see what type of labor to see what type of labor they already had in Sierra Leone? You sure that ain't what he was trying to do? Because I do know that colonies, it's all about business. Okay, but let's just continue. After several months of exploring conditions in Sierra Leone, he sailed to England to consult with the leaders of the African Institute that was committed to promoting uh, promoting commerce and civilization in Africa, and providing continuing advice on British colony colonial uh, policy there. Yeah. Well, we already know that Britain already had colonies over in Africa. They built forts over there. We already know all of that. They were trading commerce. They had their own company set up called the African. African colonization society. So why would they need you to advise on anything? Now, it may have been a position that you wanted to Get involved with because you wanted to do business over in Sierra Leone. You wanted to manage the colony in said Sierra Leone. But make no mistake about it, Paul Cuffey did not set up the negotiation for communication between Said colonies in Africa and England because England was already in the business of colonization and specifically in Africa through their African Colonization Society. Okay. Now, I will have to look and see if cuffy I can't remember off the top of my head, heck, he could have been an investor in ACS. But let's make no mistake about it. This is just a fluff piece to the public to make it more than it is, to make it a humanitarian effort when it was far from that it was about business. Paul Cuffee received a remarkably warm reception from both the Quaker community and the leaders of the African institution in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sailed into Liverpool, choosing that as his commercial base and made two trips to London to pursue various aspects of his Sierra Leone initiatives. Uh, He spoke to members of the African Institute about the potentials he saw for raising export crops. Setting up factory shipyards, la 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 la. All right, so let me pause. Now they're gonna make me pull the African Colonization Society thing because I don't like my intelligence to be played with. I can't remember off the top of my head if he was an early investor. So just hold on a second for me, fam. Okay, family. Chow. Here we go. So I knew Paul Cuffey was associated with the American Colonization Society. Um, originally, so the ACS, originally known as Society for the Colonization of Free People of Color. Yeah, 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 I'm not going up all up into that. The ACS was founded in response to what seemed, was seen as a growing social problem, what to do with the free blacks. The number of people of color grew steadily following the American Revolutionary War. Um, all right, right, right. We're going to go to that. Da-da-da-da. Uh, you see where they all got. I'm not going to read through that. What I want to get to is, uh, this part. Uh, early colonization in Africa. In 1786, a British organization, the Committee for the Relief of Poor Blacks, launched its effort the Sierra Leone province of freedom, a colony in West Africa for London's, for London's poor black poor. The enterprise gained the support of the British government, which also offered relocation to black loyalists. Okay. Who had been resettled in Nova Scotia, Hmm. where they were subject to harsh weather and discrimination from, from some white Nova Scotians. Okay, so the Jamaican Maroons were also deported to the colony, all right? So that's pretty much what we read um, in the biography. Okay, so Paul Cuffy. Was a successful Quaker ship owner and activist in Boston. Okay, so they talk about his parents and, uh, you know, told you he, they, even here again, they're saying he's an African and part Wampanoag. And he was a free black uh, leader in the U.S. and members of Congress and members of Congress. To take immigrants to the British colony of Sierra Leone. Okay. In 1815, he financed a trip himself. The following year, Cuffey took 38 American free blacks to Freetown, Sierra Leone. He died in 1817 before undertaking other voyages. Cuffy laid the groundwork for the American Colonization Society. Okay? So I knew he was tied to this ACS child stuff, baby. I just want to make sure because I don't like to lie up upon people. So let's get back to this biography. Now they didn't made my nerves bad and I'm <laughs> finna start just going through this so we could get through the rest of the stuff. All right, so let's see. Because I think they pretty much summed it on up in um Wikipedia. All right. Uh, let me see if I want to go through anything else in this. Yeah, we talked about all of that. Okay, yeah, they went there. So yeah, they're telling you, Wikipedia actually did a better job, but they're trying to big up Paul Cuffy in this, so I understand them going through um, the thing. So, you, you know, they're saying he was a good man, this, that, and the third. Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. This was about business! How did this man get all of this money and influence when he's the son of a former slave and an Indian woman. So let's jump back into the Cuffy name. So I like to go to House of Names, cause I like to see the origins of surnames. So this is Cuffy. Uh, family crest and coat of arms. This and the third, whatever. The Cuffy surnames comes from the Middle English word "cuff." which means glove. It is thought that the name was originally an occupational name for the maker of seller of gloves. Although most instances, the name in Ireland were through migration from England, there were native Irish bearers of Cuffy from the Gaelic form of O'dernan. Although this name is usually angel, angel size. As Dernan, it had occasionally became become Cuff or Cuffy through mistranslation. Oh, that's interesting, since the Gaelic word Dorn means to a fist. That is really interesting. So basically, they're saying that probably more than likely the surname Cuff, the original. Name of it is probably, uh what are they saying the original name is? Oh, Dernan. That is really, really interesting. Okay, so, you know, they're going and the, you telling you where they first found the name and Kilkenny uh was the former kingdom of Ossuary or ossery Located in Southeast Ireland, uh, where they held a family seat from very ancient times. Okay, so then you look at the very variations of Cuffy, and you see Cuff, Cuffy, C-U-F-F-E, Kofi, C O U F F E. So you see why I I said if you if I was anyone searching my lineage and I saw the name Coffee show up how we spell it today in America C O F F E E that I would try to cross reference because even here where they say the Coffee spelling variation you have Kofi, C O U F F E, Cuff or Coof C O U F F Coffee C U F F Y. Cuffey, C-U-F-F-E-Y, Cuffee, C-U-F-F-I-E, and others, okay? So this is uh, just another tip. When you're doing your genealogy, you can also plop in that last uh, surname, or the surname, surname is the last name, and uh house of names, and it'll give you the various uh, variations of, on the spelling of that surname also. And that'll help you as you're uh, searching those genealogy records. Okay. All right. So it just gives you some of the uh, notable Cuffeys. Sir James Cuffy, an Irish politician, Thomas Cuffee, uh Michael Cuffy. He was a member of the parliament, Irish parliament. I ain't trying, trying to pronounce old oh boy's first name, Cuffee. uh He just lived in Kilkenny. James Cuffy MP, uh, he held an estate containing Deal Castle, a 16th century tower house. Uh, Henry Cuffer Cuffy was an English author and politician. Okay, so I'm going over this just to show you this surname Cuffy, where its origins are from, and how some of the famous Cuffys rolled. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the migration of the Cuffy family. Okay. So we already know that the 19th century, when you see them talk about the 19th century, Immigration, that's the second or third wave immigration coming to the Americas. And more than likely, more than likely, that's going to be Caucasian white people, okay? Because you can check the records and you're going to start seeing um, them coming over to specifically the Americas. And in this case, they're, they're even telling you right here, the distant shores of North America and Australia. So you can almost guarantee when you hear them talk about migration in the 1900s, you can guarantee, or the 19th century, uh, you can guarantee that that's going to be talking about mostly Caucasian people. All right okay um and they came over to these different places they labeled them as um servants okay they came over on indentured servant contracts all right so i'm trying to get into where i wanted to get um um, yeah, and then they talk about the Great Potato Famine of the 1840s. And interestingly enough, when I was doing the research, I think I didn't close it out. I probably shouldn't have closed it out. Uh, for this particular podcast, I actually ran across records for, for uh, the Great Famine. And it was people on this list that had, that was suffering through that. And they were talking about, uh, giving out payments. So that was really, really interesting. Okay. So it's just telling you that thousands left Ireland going to North America. this, that and the third. Um, and it said a large, a, a little United States and Canada were to a large degree built by the Irish, um, Indicate members of the Cuffy family relocated to North America shores quite early. Yep, Martin Cuffy. This I found this in my particular records also. My search also, they ain't my records. My search also that Martin Cuffy appears to be the first Cuffy that hit the U.S. in 1623. Followed by John and Thomas in 1670. Uh, Richard and Yanaeca in 1670, and then John Cuff in Boston, Mass in 1762, okay? So this is why it is so good, fam, to run your family name through house of names, especially when you're doing that genealogy, okay? You'll find a lot of gems and it'll save you Uh, from bumping your head on a lot of things also, okay? And that's including Caucasian and melanated people, okay? Because contrary to popular belief, don't matter what belief is, it matters what those records say. Melanated people also came from Europe. A huge amount of melanated people came from Europe over to the Americas, they were the first ones to come, okay? All right, so they're talking about notable people, notable Cuffeys, post the 1700s. Um, all right, so you have a Edward Cuffy. He was um, a jazz trombonist. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who he played with. He played with uh, Count Basie, blah, blah, blah. This is that and the third... So, Paul Cuffy, now this is where it gets good. I want y'all to pay close attention. Very, very, very close attention. I think that uh, from that cartoon, that little raggedy cartoon thingy, that was always, I think was he always hunting uh, Porky the Pig or was that Porky the Pig? Baby, I can't remember anyway. Paul Cuffy, son of slave father. Y'all see what they say the father's name was? Sahus. Kufu. That later became Cuffy, And an Indian mother. He was a philanthropist. Yeah, we know all what he was and tirelessly advocate uh, for black rights in America, as well as an agent for returning African-Americans to Africa via that Sierra Leone colony. So, now they done already ran down the name Cuffee, right? So you trying to tell me that Paul Cuffee his name don't fall under all these other Cuffeys. That's what you're trying to sit up here and convince us. Now, his father is a slave whose name is Kufu, that they just later renamed Cuffy. Oh, that's how we doing that. That's how you want to play us? So because the records clearly stated that Paul Cuffee was black clearly stated that blood Paul Cuffee was black C-U-F-F-E-E was black no he 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 can't be a part of these Cuffees. no he can't be a part of the Cuffeys in Ireland that goes back to an ancient name this that and the third no His father had to have been a slave with this particular name, Kufi, that later became Cuffy. Really now? Okay. So you say so? So let's look for this name, Kufu, that became Cuffy, accordingly and allegedly to you all. So I just did a simple search on Kufu. And... Even with the Kufu, now I went on what they said, Kufu, Kufu, K-U-F-U, because remember, even in his biography, they said that his father was African, so they're saying this up again, his father is African, where they're inferring it if they're saying he had a slave father. And his name was Sayous Kufu, later Cuffy. So I said, okay, let me just for grins, let's just just for grins, I'm gonna put in this surname Kufu. First of all, the surname does not show up in the House of Names. It don't even show up in the House of Names, and that's okay because sometimes you'll run across that if the name is so old. Or if they purposely want to keep the name from tying to a contemporary name, sometimes you will not find it in House of Names. I said, but I smell a straight up rat. You're going to try to sit up here and tell me. Because, see, that's where you done messed up. That's where you done messed up with me. You're going to try to tell me that Paul Cuffy's original name was an African name, Khufu. That later became Cuffy. So I tied KUFU. Into. The Ancestry search engine. And I came back with Germany. Wait a minute. It still went back to Europe. You better stop BSing me. Okay? So as you can see um and this is Cuff Germany K U F F that Germany another Cuff Germany Kufu that's somebody that showed up in the states but that was 1936 so I wasn't trying to tie that to to um uh, Tuffy in any way. I'm just trying to prove a point that they said that name was African, but it's still coming back European. Here's the Khufu cool from the 1500s all the way through 1985. Germany? Huh? Really now? Nah. Okay. Everywhere you go, this Khufu name comes up Germany. Here's one old girl come up in 1793. She come up as uh, France. Okay. It's probably married in though. Okay. There's another uh, Khufu. Germany, okay, there's another uh, Khufu, is that the same one, Catherine, from up front, all right, but anyhow, that's another Khufu, she shows up in France, maybe from one of the marriages above, nonetheless, I still ain't seeing nothing but it's leading back to Europe, Another Khufu showing up in Hungary. So, um, and that's all. The rest of them are just other uh, variations of that Khufu name. Uh, They have, and I don't know if they're tied, but they have Cuff, Keith, Cough, Cave. All right, just to show you. But the point being this name even the variation of cuffy that they gave you ties back to europe so let's say that the cuffy name cuz what did this say what's the earliest account up in here they give us of cuffy doo 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 let's see doo doo do, doo ding 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 okay they give us 1670 This goes back to the 1500s. So, more than likely, the original name for Cuffy was Khufu. And forgive me, Germans, if I'm mispronouncing that. I know I'm probably butchering it. My bad up in advance. But it appears to me that the Cuffy surname was originally out of Germany. But it's showing the heck wasn't out of no Africa. So no matter how you slice and dice Paul Cuffy's lineage, it leads back to Europe. Okay? All right. So uh, I think we covered this pretty much. I'm looking at the Wikipedia stuff. Uh, They did a, a decent job here um going over this I'm not going to go over it in any more we've already talked talked about this we talked about the property uh that he purchased we talked about uh him getting into colonization specifically Sierra Leone and I'm going to call it the reverse migration so sending people from Europe specifically Britain and the Americas to Africa, which in this case specifically was Sierra Leone. Okay. All right. So we went over his biography. Um, just to show you, when I pulled the Cuffey name, um, this is the first Cuffey, and we talked about that before. Um, they, they told you that in uh, House of Names that Martin Cuffey was the first one that they have documented. Coming into Virginia. Okay, so just to show you the other records of uh Cuffy, because um, remember it says Paul Cuffy's uh people managed the property for Slocum. Okay, so that's just showing these particular records um and who Cuffey's Slocum was married to, which was Ruth Moses. So that's all that's doing. It's just tying everything back that they said. So all of that was true. Um, So Cuffy Slocum, just to show you, this is going to be uh, what I'm showing you now. Um, Let's go into it. It's just tying you once again, showing you um, how they were all tied together. Um, oh, this is just tying him to Ruth. That's all. So tying a uh, Slocum, Cuffy Slocum to Ruth, his wife. That's all. All right, this is the one I wanted to talk about. So again, this is Cuff. See how uh it was abbreviated in this record. So instead of Cuffy, it, it's Cuff Slocum, but we know it's him because. You can bring, and this is his will and testament. Okay, this is his will, and so, um, and you can see it's out of uh, Dartmouth, Mass. Okay, so we know this is the cuff, and then what solidifies that are others in his records, or in this case, his will. And it's showing his children and all of that. And you see Paul here as a child, as one of his children. And if you read specifically in the record, you'll see that he gave uh, Paul some land. I think if if y'all can read that. The handwriting is so pretty. But, chow, it's kind of hard. It says, um, I give and bequeath unto my well-beloved sons, namely John Cuff and Paul Cuff, all my homestead farm where I now live. Okay? So, it's just, I'm just showing you, tying together Paul's people. This is his daddy leaving him that land. Okay. All right. So the interesting part, just wanted to show y'all because remember, they're saying Cuff Slocum. So I said, you know what? Just for greens, let me cross reference the immigration list with some Slocums also. Okay, and as you can see, this is uh, immigrants in bondage. Um, So on the Slocums, I see um, Sarah, and you jump back over here, you see there was a Sarah. Okay, so just tying things together. So that's just another tip as well. Okay, now... Not to say that's not the same Sarah. It could be um maybe they named their child Sarah. Sarah Coof after maybe that's um Cuff Slocum's sister. Maybe this Sarah that came in in bondage. So in other words, got kicked out of England because she was sentenced in Somerset, England. So maybe that's his sister. I don't know, okay? All right, so just giving you all some, some more examples how to tie all of these people together, okay? All right, so when we go to Paul Cuffey's, uh probate stuff, um, you can see his particular people on here as well, okay? So um, I didn't go into specifically what he left people and all this jazz because I didn't give a dog on at that point, <laughs> okay? Um, and just again, uh, going over whom he was married to, okay? So I hope this wasn't too confusing for you, family. Uh, what I wanted you to get out of this was, number one, Paul Cuffy was not a son of a former slave. This man came from a family with some money. And specifically, that Cuffy name ties back to Europe, no matter how you slice and dice it. Okay? Ties back to Ireland and even if they want to say oh no paul cuffey he was um he was the son of a slave F- father Cuffy." oh okay then well that name is older than cuffey and that ties back to germany so the official narrative that they're giving us on paul cuffey as being a former slave it's just not so his people were black Europeans and they had some money, bottom line. he His people married into the Indian tribe, okay? His daddy did it and he did it, okay? And Paul Cuffee, this claim to fame that they are giving him, for being an abolitionist, Mm, I don't think so. No, he was a part of the American Colonization Society who wanted to run colonies in Africa and just wanted to use the labor of black Europeans and black Americans whether or not your folks were originally from Europe, America when uh, I'm sorry Europe or whether or not you were indigenous to the Americas land, they wanted to populate that Sierra Leone colony, English colony with labor from Europe, And from the Americas. It was not about. A abolitionist effort. It has everything to do with the same game. That Europe had been doing for hundreds of years. With staffing up their colonies. With labor. And they were getting their labor from either prisoners of war or putting people on labor contracts, aka indentured servants or indentured servitude contracts, okay? Same difference, okay? So I did this for a couple folds, uh, definitely to give more insight into the Cuffy name, so, anybody holding that surname Cuffy, we went over the variations of it. Uh, I highly encourage you to really do your genealogy, really do your research. Um, as I was digging through the Cuffy records, I saw a lot of Cuffys coming into the Americas. Uh, we'll go back to this original record. Um, and so this one is just from New York. It's a lot of Cuffies out of New York. Okay. So which would make sense when o- ODB said, uh, his people are Cuffies, but I think he said he named his oldest ancestor as Warren. Okay. But you can see there's a lot of Cuffies, uh, coming out of, uh, New York. Okay. And even if you want to exclude the Cuffies, you can exclude them. All right, and you even see a free cuff on here. We saw that on one of the uh, specific records as well. All right, and this is just showing the residents of the cuffs just in New York alone. But as you can see with Paul, uh, his people came out of Massachusetts And owned a lot of land. His daddy owned a lot of land. Passed it on to his sons. And this one particular son. Paul. Was balling with money. Okay. He bought up more land. Got into shipping. This, that, and the third. His brother-in-law was balling with money. So I can only use deductive reasoning. To say these are black Europeans that come from wealthy family that came over to the Americas to do business. This man was not a son of a former slave, okay? So uh, that was the purpose of this. Wanted to give you a little bit more insight into Paul Cuffee, the kind of tie the links again onto how they're throwing everything under that label of slave and slavery, but really start hoping to get you all to think critically on what they mean when they say slave and slavery and transported or sold into slavery Hopefully, you all are getting the picture to do your research to really see what they are saying. And more than likely, you're not going to get the official narrative of what they're telling us, all slavery coming out of West Africa. You're going to see a total different picture. Either people coming from wealthy families. Wealthy, black, European families coming over as the first settlers slash colonizers of the Americas to run businesses. Or you're going to see people coming over as indentured servants, meaning they signed a labor contract to come over to work. Or you're going to see them coming over as a prisoner of war. And they were banned from their homeland, forced into servitude. Okay? So I hope this helped you out. I hope it was not too confusing. Um, I wish everyone well. This is on this Monday. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. If you are not subscribed to us, I highly encourage you to subscribe, like, and share. Peace and love, family.